Booth, a Frederick News Post podcast exploring the 2016 races to represent Frederick County. This has been an election year like no other, both around the county and around the country. Here, we'll explore issues important to Frederick County voters, from third-party candidates to overcrowded roads and classrooms to presidential politics. I'm Jeremy Bauerwolf, here with my co-host, City Editor Andy Schatz. Hello. And we are in the booth. Glad Hill Furniture is the only place you need to visit. Save big by taking half off all leather furniture store-wide. And this month, you can also take advantage of 24 months 0% financing. Stop by and visit one of our expert design consultants and get luxury for less. Mike Beninsky was a longtime Frederick County Public School Administrator. He was the curriculum specialist for secondary social studies since the mid-90s. Beninsky came in third in the April primary election, and though he retired, he still wants to make a difference in the school system in a new way through school board service. He lives in Frederick City and said that his perspective and knowledge as an administrator will make him an asset for the Frederick County Board of Education. We talked with Beninsky on his campaign on today's In the Booth. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Tell me a little bit about why you decided to run for the school board. Well, education has been a calling of mine. Um, beginning in 1973 or so in college, I decided that uh, teaching history and teaching government was something I really wanted to do. And I've done it since 1975. And I'm approaching 65 years old. Um, I've been in education for over 40 years. And it just seemed to me the logical conclusion to a career was to stop being just an advocate and start being a decision maker for the county that I've uh, spent so much time in. So running for the board was just a logical next step. Do you think that Frederick County students are tested too much? And if there are any ways to change that, what would you suggest? I think it, when you talk about testing, it has to be either the teacher tests, the classroom tests, the state tests, the federal tests. All of this stuff goes uh, back to the 1960s with the first uh, Elementary Education Secondary Act. And um, I've been involved in education for so long that I've seen things come and go. I've seen um, the cyclical period of how of open space schools, closed schools, open space again, variety of activities. And testing uh, fits into that category because in the 1970s when um, communities were not real trusting of their, their students and it seemed like a lot of students were graduating without the ability to read and write, uh, functional tests came about. I was part of the movement of writing the functional tests uh, that came to our state in the 19, middle 1980s. By the 1990s, we had performance assessments, statewide performance assessments that were measuring schools. Then um, we had a, a it, it's an uptake. It's a general bureaucratic uptake. It's a, a roller coaster that goes up up and down, and it's time for it to go down. There's way too much time devoted to federal state tests that don't really do anything like teacher tests do that gauge whether the students are, are learning or not and what, what they are learning and how to move them forward. Students have to make mistakes. You don't learn if you don't make mistakes. And the tests that teachers give, give them an opportunity to ameliorate those mistakes, to see where the student is having problems and give them assignments and activities to fix that problem. 
state and national tests don't do any of that. They just measure things for uh, political purposes and make beautiful charts. That's about it. How to fix it. Uh, um, I think in this instance, uh, anything that we can do on a local level to maintain that local level uh, of involvement is important. It, it's the carrot and the stick, though. Money is attached to this. F Frederick County, to its great credit, did not sign on to race to the top. Um, the Board of Education here was one of only two counties in this state that didn't sign on because hundreds of millions of dollars were attached to it. As long as hundreds of millions of dollars are attached to it and the people of Frederick County are, are ha going to have to pay for any money that doesn't come to us from the federal government or from the states, it's, it's, um, it's a tricky situation to see if we're going to be able to get out of the testing mode. I think as long as there's a national trend to it, as long as we have our political leaders in the General Assembly working to, to cut down on testing time, they're using, I think, a number of 2%. Well, it's like any other statistic, it, it's going to vary. Is it 2% of testing time for a high school where they have 90-minute classes and 90 uh, days in the in this semester? Or is it 45-minute uh, classes in middle school of 180 days? Or is it by subject uh, where English is taught because it's a tested area for a much greater period of time? So it is only 2% of the English testing time versus 2% of the non-tested area like social studies or art. So it's, it's a conundrum, but we need to have the political will to uh, stop taking the money. You were in favor of the recent policy approved by the Board of Education on testing refusals. Um, do you see any flaws in that policy, and do you think the uh, refusal opt-out movement has been over-inflamed? Um, well, back to your first statement, I, I, I spoke against supporting it because I didn't think it did what our board particularly wanted, which was to give um, a common way of treating these students. I also don't believe that any of the tests except PARC allow students to bring any materials in. So the question comes up as to when is the refusal occurring? Is it prior to the testing site? Does the student, if they're in the testing room, get an opportunity to refuse? If they do, that's it. They sleep. Uh, they don't have any other opportunity except with PARC. They will read. Somehow or other, many people believe that our students are so enamored with reading that they will love doing that as opposed to being on their phone or doing some other activity. And I don't think that's realistic. So I believe that each principal, we have 65 schools, each principal needs better guidelines than what was in that policy. I believe that Jamie Alavito's guide, guidance to them the year before uh, gave a little more scripted um, uh, decision-making for them so that they would all follow a very similar pattern. Um, as far as the... Uh, it's paragraph C on fi policy 511. The refusal is is just uh, still, um, it's not really, I don't know how to phrase it, whether it's a violation of MSDE guidelines. It's, contra uh, it's contradictory to MSDE guidelines. And that, going back to the previous uh, question about testing, is what the board kind of has to do if they're going to get the uh, political um, uh, drivers involved. 
Do you think that anything has been overlooked in the uh, current budget? And are there any areas that you think um, are overrepresented and need to be cut? The budget area is one of those, those things that um, I need to learn about. This is an enormous budget. It's $500 million. Um, it, it's half a billion dollar budget. So where uh, things are categorized is different than because um, it, it follows MSDE guidelines. So going through the budget is, is a, a learning process and one that um, I'm looking forward to, to going through, having never been, been through a budget of this size before. Uh, it is one area of my own personal growth that I'm going to have to look for. Now, as to what has been cut, um, I believe looking for the large chunks of money is the hardest part. Um, 85% of our budget is in, uh, is in people. A big part of that also is benefits. Uh, as a retired employee, I I am um, I reap the benefits of those um, the health benefits. So I have to I have to watch and see what I what I will be allowed to vote on for some of those things. Uh, taking sixty thousand dollars out of uh, cutting ninth grade sports, I, I just. If we're going to look at sports, we need to look at sports. If we look at transportation, we need to look at transportation. I would rather see big picture items rather than nickel and dime if we can find it. And that's not always easy. I've sat through those meetings, as has Jeremy, and they can be tedious when you're looking through line by line. So I don't really have a, uh, a targeted space to look at. I, I believe that we just need to advocate um, more for the funding that's commensurate with our wealth. We are currently, it depends on which uh, chart you look at, we are either fifth or sixth in wealth in the nation, and we are currently between 16th and 18th in per pupil expenditures. So we are not um, giving to our school system uh, commensurate with the amount of wealth that our county has. So it's possible that um, budgeting won't always be how will you cut the budget, but more, how will you spend the money? And when you say we are fifth or sixth in wealth, are you talking Frederick about County. the Frederick County? Frederick okay. County. The Board of Education's solution for budget woes in the past has been to say, you know, we don't control this kind of spending. We have to go to our local and state governments. Is there a better way to advocate and push for that? Well, I think your, defini your definition of advocate and mine might be a little bit different. You're, you have stated that that's the obvious, yes. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of advocating. Um, I've stood before the county council and said to, um, it's a political ploy, but it's raised my taxes, um, because if they went to the constant yield, they would wipe out three cents for the property tax per, uh, per $100. Uh, and if you do that, then Politically, you have to advertise it as a tax increase when in reality it's, it's keeping the exact same number. But um, I, I think in, in general, uh, we, have to, we have to recognize that um, we are a wealthy county. And um, we, as a board, if I should get on the board, need to continue. Dr. Alban's done, I think, a good job in bringing in the business community. And I think we need to continue to bring the business community together and to sh uh, share the, the, and regularly advocate that this is an investment in our community. It's an investment um, in 
everything that's good about Frederick County and will lower our costs for some of the, the other areas. One of the problems, I think, um, right now is that we have so many little issues, and we have one major issue which is not talked about much, and that's uh, our drug problem in, in this in this county. Not that we're any different than any other county, but um, the Board of Education can't fix everything, but that's one area where we need to be educating uh, more kids and we need to spend some money there. There have been some discussions at the county level with the executive and the county council as well as at the state level about new approaches towards school construction funding and uh, some of it isn't talked about the possibility of including private partners. Have you heard any approaches that you think would be a good solution and is there anything not being discussed you'd like to see considered? Well, it seems um, that the idea of uh, of building the schools from with private industry and partnering in that way, on the surface, it looks like a great plan. It's something that needs to be looked into. I think the committee is still looking into it. From what I gather, um, uh, Ray Barnes, who is the uh, probably the guru of numbers in Frederick County for these kinds of things is someone that everybody trusts, both the county council, the old county commissioners, the board of ed. You trust Ray's numbers. And Ray said that the way this was formulated would cost us more money. And I think when, you come, when it comes down to it, saving money was supposed to be uh, the issue. And if, if speed is the issue and we need to build the schools faster, then you have to pay more, and we would have to do this. Uh, but if speed isn't the issue, uh, and it, we have some time, we have a couple of years to expand, then um, I, I think we need to stick with the, the public funding the way it, it's been going. And no, I have no uh, great panacea uh, to fix any of this. Um, it's, it'd be nice to advocate with the General Assembly to get um, uh, a greater square footage funded. They've shrunk the square footage of the rooms and the buildings that they're willing to fund, and that needs to be expanded. Um, because many of our schools are used for uh, community activities. Uh, the new, newest school in Butterfly Ridge is going to have a, uh, an auxiliary gym, a larger gym to uh, help the community, which, which they should have. Uh, we have a couple of elementary schools that have that. And I think that kind of funding uh, needs to come uh, both from the state, the city, and the county. Uh, we all have to participate. There have been a number of state mandates that have been politicized. You know, most recently was the prevailing wage. There's been a lot of discussion around that. Would you like to see any of those mandates repealed or changed in any way? Wow. Uh, the prevailing wage uh, is is something that I've seen both positive and negative material on, and so I'm not sure that it was the problem with Frederick High raising it from uh, what was it 95 million to 114 million? Uh, I'm not sure that prevailing wage was the only issue there, but yes, I would like to see uh, a, a wide variety of mandates uh, repealed. Some of the mandates, like a school nurse, is something that really is beneficial, um, but finding the money for that is, is always going to be hard because there is um, no such thing as a cost-neutral um, event. Uh, anything that's cost neutral is costing somebody something somewhere. Uh, a job has been moved, somebody has lost a position, um, or resources have been moved from one place to another. So mandates uh, require that. They, 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 
we try and make them cost neutral, but cost neutral doesn't doesn't actually work. Uh, the latest mandate, of course, is the um, 180 school day uh, year between Labor Day and June 15th. Now that mandate is is kind of unusual coming from someone who doesn't like federal mandates and uh, our board and calendar committee is going to have to look at that uh, repeal it that's uh, a political thing that's going to be up to the general assembly to decide in january which from what i gather they're going to address the board recently took some steps toward uh addressing what's seen as an imbalance in the talent in the teacher salary structure closing the gap in some areas do you support the approach that's been taken, and do you think more needs to be done? I absolutely support the approach that's been taken. It's been years since they've addressed the salary scale, and I believe they need to do the exact same thing with the administrative scale. The administrators have in their contract that every eight years they will do a reclassification study. The last reclassification study was done. I believe it was presented to the board in either March, I think it was March 2008, um, possibly March 2009, but this is the year when the study is supposed to be done. That last reclassification study had a, a variety of recommendations, none of which were ever enacted. Um, that particular board that received it uh, was changed the following November with uh, the election of uh, three of the current board members, uh, well, maybe two of the current board members, but it was changed, and they never uh, addressed it again. So a $30,000 study, um, approximately 30000 a study like that uh, brings up um, opportunities to look at salary scales. FCTA has uh, done this salary study for the last couple of years in conjunction with the board and came up with um, a new salary scale that, that condenses um, the pay raises, condenses the time, allows people to move forward. Uh, in a sustainable way for, for the system. This is one budget area that I get um, that they, uh, they'll be able to maintain these salary increases over long periods of time without breaking the bank, which right now at $11 million for a raise across the system is really difficult to come across. So yes, I think it was a good thing. I think we need to continue to advocate for it. We need to work with the county council and the county executive to make sure that it is maintained. Uh, to raise our, our um, position across the state for both starting teacher salaries and middle teacher salaries. We are in a very good position for teachers that stay here for a long time. Uh, we are one of the top uh, scales in the state, and we need to keep it that way. And um, in the next year, the administration salary is going to come along, so I think we need to advocate for that as well. Is it feasible to fund the teacher salary scale in that four-year period that they've designated? Why not? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, again, going back to the overall budget, looking at the overall budget and trying to um, adjust for resources, adjust for building, adjust for uh, teacher salaries, uh, adjust for health benefits, and um, uh, make sure that we have the assistance and uh, special ed needs that we saw in our report last year uh, really need to be addressed. Um, those are all the priorities that the board is going to have to deal with. So uh, do we do it all at 100%? Do we do some of it at 90%? We, we're going to have to make those decisions. Those are the decisions that uh, those seven people get to make, happily or not. But yes, they need to address it. 
How significant do you, a role does the teachers union play in elections? What does it matter what the uh, the union endorsements are to the greater public, or is that more of one voice among many? Uh, having been uh, a member of the union, I think you're asking the wrong person. But also having been a member of the union, if the union played such a significant part, then they wouldn't have lost every election uh, for the last eight years um, in the people that they endorsed. They they would control the school board, wouldn't they? They would control the county council, wouldn't they? Uh, so they're they're like anybody else. They 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 roll the dice. They take a shot, and um, they'll get a couple of victories and a couple of losses. And you, that's the way the political realm rolls. The school board is a nonpartisan race, but as you've pointed out in the past, sometimes the uh, political tensions seem to rise. In this cycle, particularly, there was one candidate who dropped out to try to prevent another candidate from being elected to the school board. Were you involved in any of these discussions surrounding a strategy to prevent a candidate from being elected to the school board? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, strategy. Uh, I I think that every time we had uh, discussions about things, and beginning with the first forums, uh, Ken um, and Joy were two people that I um, uh, I appreciated what they had to say. I understood what they had to say, and I thought they made sense. Um, after the primary, when I saw, unfortunately, where Lois and Shirley were, um, it was uh, uh, fairly obvious that the three of us should speak to each other and talk a little bit more about uh, sharing um, our resources because resources were, are the big deal. Resources are the, are the main issue. Um, and as far as political is concerned, it's, it became political a long time ago, long before I got here, um, back when this particular board, let's see, no, the board before that, back in uh, 2010, I would guess, is the first year that it became um, attaching R's and D's to everything. And, and it's, it's human nature. It's kind of naive to believe that a democracy uh, is going to allow people to just talk about issues. Their human nature is such that they're going to um, say things and do things that are uh, n not necessarily uh, uplifting to the community discourse. So we see that at every level right now, national level. I think our level is, uh, is going well. I truly do. Um, yes, we have differences of opinion. Um, but I, I have to think that we happen to think that we all have some areas of commonality. And those areas of commonality are the places where we need to emphasize um, that why they're good for the county, why they're good for kids, why they're good for teachers, why they're good for parents, why they're good fiscally. Um, we need to address those areas of commonality. So you don't think you'd have a problem working with Cindy Rose if she were elected to the board? I think we would have disagreements, but a problem, no. But we would disagree, and we would agree on some things. Uh, I, I totally agree with uh, Ben's law. I think it should have been passed. Um, I think she was absolutely right to advocate for it uh, very strongly. But um, I've also, I've, as part of the school system, I've, I've had uh, PIAs and FOIA requests uh, from Ms. Rose and um, have disagreed with some of the um, issues over our textbooks, 
our third grade textbook that we spent an, an enormous amount of time and money um, in, in deciding whether to keep it in the school system or not um, is a difference of opinion. Uh, it's an area where we have uh, a disagreement and those things will stay the same. But do we want our third grade kids to be educated and understanding about the government? Absolutely. So that's our area of commonality. To put you on the spot a little bit, if you had to pick oh, out... that hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you're about to. If you had to pick out one great success and one failure from the current board, could you pick out one example of each? Well, in, in recent history, I guess the two uh, the most successful would be uh, addressing the, the salary scale. Uh, that's been long time coming. Uh, getting all three um, contracts... Uh, signed in a reasonable amount of time and um, balancing the budget in a very difficult time. Uh, it, these, are, these are successes. They, they've done a, a very good job of moving the school system uh, forward financially and um, in, I don't want to say mitigating issues with, with staff, but um, helping because staff morale is, is not good and it hasn't been good for a while. Uh, I don't, I'm not listing that as a failure of our board. Uh, I'm saying that's a, an issue across uh, the county because uh, our staff also reads blogs and reads Facebook pages and things like that. And then every day they show up at work and there's something new for them to do. And part of that is this testing situation um, and the school system's attempt to figure out a way to make the testing situation better. Uh, we'll buy something like Global Scholar, and all that does is add work um, in many respects to the teacher's day. So um, I think they've had a few successes, a few failures, um, I, I, or a failure. I, I believe um, that in passing this policy that violates or goes against MSDE guidelines um, is one. Um, I, I believe that... Um, Oh, eliminating ninth grade sports, a minor thing. Um, the year before, a reneging on the retirees' um, life insurance, uh, something that I'll be speaking about with uh, teachers, uh, retired teachers next week. Um, uh, Brad Young said he was against it because it goes back on a promise that was made, and that's, that's exactly the right thing. They could have stopped it. Uh, I, I'm retired. I have no problem with uh, paying more money for more life insurance. I think grandfathering it in would have been the better thing to do, that everybody up to that point uh, got what they, um, what they were told they would get and maintained it, um, but they didn't do that. And I think that, um, that was a failure to uh, their own employees, the retirees. When you're talking about, you know, these little things in the school budget that have been cut, you know, ninth grade sports and things like that, a conversation in neighboring Carroll County was actually closing three schools when enrollments weren't viable there. Is that a discussion do you think the school board needs to have? It's a discussion they absolutely have to have, and it will fill the boardroom, and that's a good thing. Um, you as an administrator in Frederick County, I had 100 and anywhere from 170 to 190 teachers under me at different times. Um, no decision I made ever made everybody happy. I was really happy if I could get most people 
on board with the decisions. The school board is the same way. They're not going to make everybody happy. There's just no way. So deciding uh, redistricting is something that they're looking at right now. Uh, they have to look at it because of the new schools that are being built. And they are expanding the areas, and, and rightly so. I think that is very smart um, because you'll include more people, and you'll get people that are on the periphery of the areas uh, being attentive to it. It seems to me that it's one of those things that, um, like our government does, it's easier with the government, though. I, I get that because uh, every 10 years we do a census and we can, we can uh, readjust. Um, and it doesn't have to deal with, with children and who their friends are and whether uh, this side of the street goes to one school and that side of the street goes to another school. But if a cycle was created where, um, whereby the school system always presented to the public that eight years from now we're going to revisit all of the redistricting again and we're going to look at uh, where the housing has come up. And again, Ray Barnes is great with that, with numbers. Um, I think publicizing that and doing it on a regular basis might take some of the uh, stress out of every time they bring it up and multiple emails coming into them. Has the school board avoided that conversation because it is such an unpopular topic? I wouldn't know that. I'm not privy to what they decide and what they don't decide. But you sit there just as I do, and you have heard uh, comments from some of our board members. We're not going there because you uh, and I don't want the emails. You've heard that, haven't you? All I was doing was asking you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to ask. Okay. I think <clears throat> I think we've hit on several topics. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to bring up you think is important in this race? <sighs> well, I think morale is being covered and I think that was that's a big issue for me. Um, because when teachers are happy, the students are happy. I think class size is another major issue that relates back to budget because that was one area where you can find uh, a chunk of money. But it's a balancing act between whether that money that you bring in is more important than the teacher in, in front of uh, a variety of kids. When you have 20 kids to 25 students in front of you in a given day, um, there's so much you can do with them. When you have 36, a good portion of your time is crowd control. A good portion of your time is organizational structure. And it's not teaching and interacting with kids and knowing who those students are and where they come from in life and where they're moving forward and understanding their strengths and weaknesses. Having taught in small classes and large, uh, I get the difference, and I think, I truly believe that the investment in our system needs to come in reducing class size um, in all three levels of school, elementary, middle, and high. I think it's necessary. I think it will be beneficial to the, the students and parents more than anybody else because their kids will be nurtured and taught in school for seven hours a day and it will be beneficial to teachers because they'll get that feedback that makes teaching worthwhile, uh, that you're talking with a student and you're getting um, the information from that student both in their body language, in their verbalization, in their behavior, of their emo social and emotional growth throughout a year. And that's 
the thing that makes teachers want to be teachers. Um, it's not just whether they love math or history or phys ed. It's knowing that that, that student is going to leave that class with something more than they came in with. And when you have 36 to 40 kids, even in an advanced placement class, which I've taught, you are, it's far and few between that you get those emotional reactions um, and uh, that kind of interaction with a student. You will, um, because in an AP class, they're, they're generally uh, emotionally uh, involved and they're articulate, and so they emote a, a little bit more. Um, but in the, in the regular classes, we need to have smaller class size, and that's one of the things that I will fight for. Where can the public find more information about you? Oh, I wish I had that written down. Uh, <laughs> Website, Twitter, what yeah, have you. Yes, just if you just Google um, uh, Mike Benitsky, you'll find uh, mikebenitsky.boe at Gmail. You'll find mbenitskyforboe.org, which is my website. Um, I don't tweet much. Um, did a lot when I was working, but uh, I've kind of got out of the habit. And retired from Retiring, okay. yes. <laughs> Thank you for asking that. And of course. And thank you for coming in. Appreciate it. Absolutely. In the Booth is produced by Graham Cullen, Chris Sands, Danielle Gaines, and me. Our theme music is courtesy of FNP reporter and rocker Kelsey Luce. If it's politics and it's Frederick, we hope you'll join us for the conversation in the booth. <laughs>